Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of According to RP on WJMS Radio. It's your girl, Rita Pierre, your host. And as always, I hope you guys are striving, thriving, and surviving in these corona-infested streets. So, first of all, happy Sunday, everyone, and happy new month. We have made it to the next round of the Hunger Games. No, (laughs) we have made it to the month of October, and today is a very special day. It's October 4th for many reasons. The first being, it's my lovely aunt's birthday, so happy birthday to my aunt, Merlan. She has been there for me through thick and thin and today is her special day so I wanted to come on here and say happy birthday and also October 4th is the marker and the indicator that Rita's birthday is two months away (laughs) so I'm a December 4th baby um I always say, you know, like Jay-Z, because I feel like when you tell people Jay-Z, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know why that's actually the reaction. But either way, December 4th is my birthday. Um, I'm accepting gifts, everyone. I love both practical and sentimental gifts. But even more so, I love cash money. So DM me for the details (laughs) if you're feeling generous. But in any event... Um, thank you guys for tuning into another episode of According to RP. The month of October is going to be a very busy one for us here because there's so many awareness campaigns that take place in the month of October. So we have Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We have Domestic Violence Awareness Month. But are you guys aware that the month of October is also Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month? And so today we have a very special guest by the name of Marjorie Vale. She is the newly minted Mrs. New York American. And this is actually a title that is taking place for the first time. So she is the first Haitian American, first black woman, first Mrs. New York American. So we definitely want to give Marjorie a round of applause for that. (laughs) And so Marjorie is going to be on this show talking about the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month um, for many reasons. The first reason is that she, you know, experienced a loss like this 16 years ago when she lost her first um, son. And so, you know, since then, she has been a staunch advocate for this cause. And so when she got into pageantry, which she'll all like, she'll explain all this to you, you know, in her interview. But when she got into pageantry, she, you know, thought what a what a great way to highlight an issue that it's not you know, highlighted in our community, in the world even, um, why not use the crown? Why not use my platform to bring attention and bring awareness to this particular issue? As you're going to hear in the interview, 26,000 babies are still born a year. And some people might not think that that's a significant number considering the amount of people that live, you know, in this country, but it is, especially when statistics show that black women are amongst the highest, I guess, to experience uh, stillbirth. And we already know that maternal health issues is something that, that, you know, critically affects black women in this country. And so I'm, you know, I'm just excited to be able to be a vehicle for a conversation like this. So I hope you guys can keep it locked and keep it tuned into the show. So before we get into our preliminaries, I do want to give a PSA. As the weather outside is starting to get a little nippy, I think we can officially say that we are in fall right now. There's no more Indian summers. Um, Guys, yes, it is jacket weather. Yes, it is sweater weather. It is scarf weather. But what it's not is bubble jacket weather. It is not Sherlin weather. It is not Canada goose weather. It is not North Face weather. I understand that these type, these coats, these jackets, you know, are a status symbol in many of our communities, but it is not time 
It is not time yet for the Canada goose. And I will also, because I want to be fair, it is also not time for Uggs, ladies. I've been seeing these memes from like day one. They're always playing us talking about here comes tight and Uggs weather. I am a victim of the tights and the Uggs because it's comfortable and it could still be fashionable. But right now, as we are speaking in our, on October 4th, it is not time to pull out the Uggs, ladies. There is a time it, we will get there. We will get there, but it's not right now. <laughs> I just, it was on my heart. You know, the spirit led me to make this PSA. It was on my heart. Um, so I felt like I had to say it, but either way, it is now time for our preliminaries. So it is now time for the urban dictionary word or phrase of the week. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Man definition um what does keeps keep mean it's on fleek can you use it in a sentence it's gonna be lit major key it's time for the urban dictionary word or phrase of the week so this week's urban dictionary word or phrase of the week is ain't got this was submitted by Goldfish Rocks. I don't know where this person is from, but here we go. <laughs> Ain't got, you don't have time for it, not worth it or not worth going for it. Example, I ain't got for her. She's too much drama. Now, I don't know. I don't, ain't got, you ain't got time for it. I mean, I get it, but. So I'm trying to understand, do people just say, ain't got, like, I ain't got for her? She's too, I don't understand, I don't understand. I'm a little confused. I'm a little confused at this one, as I often am with Urban Dictionary. But this one, so the term, so the word is ain't got. So you're going to say, I ain't got for her, she's too much drama. I ain't got for him because he lived with his mama. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out, I ain't, ain't got. I don't know, guys. <laughs> I'm stumped. <laughs> I'm stumped. Um, either way, that is the word of the week. And so uh, if anybody can, I don't know, where do they use this? At? Is it a Southern thing? I'm, I'm confused. Ain't got, I don't know. I'm stumped. But that's the word of the week. That's the one that popped up. I try to be random with it so that, you know, I can also be enlightened. But this one kind of got me for a loop. I don't, I don't understand. Either way, that was the Urban Dictionary word or phrase of the week. It is now time for the Big Up of the Week. So this week's big up of the week um, actually goes to everyone that attended the Black Ivy Media event last night, Rooftop Vibes. Um, it was an amazing event and I was a little worried about it at first because the weather outside is it's not frightful but it's getting there. Um, and so trying to do an outdoor, you know, event in the uh, in the I guess the, the thick of the fall, um, you know, you always have to wonder, like, what's the weather going to be like? What's going to happen? Because we're trying to do we're trying to be covid, you know, covid friendly. We're trying to follow the covid guidelines. I know that a lot of people are like, listen, we ain't doing no events. We're staying in our house. We're not mixing and mingling. But I'm going to tell you. I was in my house for several months. I, if, if anybody was not trying to catch the Rona, it was me. I was in my house. I don't even think I went to the corner store. Um, but after several months of that, it was driving me insane. And I, and I remember the first time I, I was interacting with a human that was not my child in person. It did so much for me. So I know that, you know, with the Rona you know, spiking up in a lot of different places. People are probably like, oh, you know, why was there even an event or whatever? But we, you know, we were outside freezing. <laughs> we were outside, but it was such a great event. It was such a dope event. We had a lot of artists. So also big up to all of the artists that came 
out last night. We had an artist come all the way from Philadelphia, Delante. Shout out to Delante, who came all the way from Philadelphia to be part of this event. Um, I don't want to start naming everybody because if I do, I might leave somebody out and then people are going to be like, what about me? But all of you guys who came out to the Rooftop Vibes uh, situation last night, thank you so, so much. Like I felt uplifted and there was some some good music. You know, we're so used to the mainstream rappers and singers and artists. Like, we tend to forget that we have some gems literally underneath our nose. Like, I'm still on a high from some of these artists that I heard last night that have, you know, their stuff out already on Spotify. I was just like, this is some good stuff. So, um, yeah, big up to big up to everyone who left their house and, you know, risked it all. <laughs> Um, and big up to all the artists who came and participated in in last night's um, you know open mic showcase. So big up to you guys. So now clearly with every high we have a low, and this week's low it's it's I don't know if I, I feel like maybe last week I I I call I called the, these people the womp womps, but in the event if I did not because my memory is fading, um, I I mean. The Womp Womp goes to the individuals who are out here spreading this propaganda about not voting. And I understand like the black community, there's like a division when it comes to this idea of voting and not voting. I don't know if it's because we were, you know, averse to voting to begin with, but there are so many. And I blame TikTok and I blame social media for giving these people platforms. Um I understand why some individuals are are kind of upset about this push to vote, right? Because it's just like, vote, 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 give us your vote. But there's no consideration or there's no talk about like, well, you know, what are next steps, right? When it comes to this voting, how about, you know, we also empower the people in the communities to be a community, to take back their communities, to empower each other and to, you know, you know, become financially literate um, to, you know, I don't know. I understand that there with some of the individuals who I've heard who were take, using their platform to blast individuals who are encouraging people to vote. Um, I understand that there is this idea that, yeah, you want to keep taking from us. You want us to vote, vote, vote. But like, what are you pouring into us? What are you why are you not saying get out and vote and empower yourself and, you know, get your life right. And let's get the communities together. And this is how you can fix your community. I get it. But I feel like we have to be very careful people. This is not the time to be creating all of this division because as, as somebody put in, I cannot remember his name, but I will be posting up the video on the according to RP platform. So if you're not following me um, on Instagram, please do so according to RP. Um, as this individual, I think he was a preacher because he was giving me preacher vibes. You know, this is not the time to be out here confusing the masses about do not go out and vote or you know what? They want all this extra energy from us. They want us to vote, vote, vote. But yet they're not. It's that whole black agenda conversation that I think I had a while ago. Um, we're not on the same page with the black agenda. We don't know what the black agenda is. I do agree that there, you know, there needs to be a balance. I think that there should be, you know, a push to um, to really talk about revitalization of our communities and how, you know, we can do better for ourselves and, you know, things of that nature. But we all know that the majority of the country, and this is white people included, are very ignorant people and they don't listen to everything and they, and, you know, they're not unfortunately not as sophisticated to be able to parse things out the way, you know, others are. So you can't just come on Instagram live and Facebook live talking about don't vote. Don't, you know, don't go out and vote because they don't really care about us. They're just using us. And it's so much bigger than Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And I keep saying this and I will, I will continue to say it until after the election. It's so much bigger than that. And this particular preacher individual guy, you know, made some really clear points in his presentation when he's like, you know, the president has the power to appoint judges, right? Not just the Supreme Court, but to the circuit courts and the district courts. And President Trump is the I think he is the only one aside from I think it was Jimmy Carter that he stated 
that has such a high record of place, you know, of of appointing judges. He has appointed 198 judges throughout the circuits courts, the district courts, and the Supreme Courts, right? These are judges who will, for the rest of probably my life, their lives, or whatever, um, have decision-making power in this country, right? Like, this is a... like. This is a serious situation. We're talking about mass incarceration. We're talking about all of these, you know, issues um, in which judges are the ones who preside, right? And they're the ones who really hand out sentences and 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 really determine the fates of, you know, our citizens, i.e., black people. We need we have to be concerned about that. And so this whole like not voting, hold the vote, whatever, we're just going to allow Trump to load up the benches with another two hundred. Individuals, and I believe that um, out of all the 198, I don't think, I don't think there is one black soul, one black woman, one black male. There's, I don't think there's one black soul of the 198 judges that he has appointed in his three years, um, three and a half years of being president. These are these are the important things that we need to focus on, not about a Joe Biden and a Kamala Harris. Like, is that important? Yeah. But I mean, this is what we have. So we, so, so we got to accept it. It. I mean, some people might not believe that. But what do you what do you want? Right. What do you want? <laughs> At the end of the day, what what do we want? We don't want Trump. We want to dump Trump because we see how homeboy can get out of pocket. And we've only, we haven't even seen anything yet. So right now. Like, you know, the best bet, in my opinion, is to bet on Sleepy Joe. We might have to bet on Sleepy Joe. I don't think Sleepy Joe can do worse than Agent Orange. I don't think so. Um, And again, yes, I agree that there needs to be more conversation about really revitalizing the black community and empowering people. But, you know, we're we're one track minded individuals. We can't, we're not, to be very realistic, we're not multi, like we're not multitasking as a collective. In fact, we're barely a collective. So let's focus on one issue at a time. The issue should be, let's focus on getting Trump out. Let's get, let's get out and let's vote. Let's vote. And then, you know what? Let's take on the next issue. Like, let's be strategic about this. But to all these people who are out here confusing the masses with your, you know, this is why black people talking about go vote, go vote, go vote. When has voting ever, um, you know, uh, worked for us? Is there some merit to some of the things that they're saying? Of course. But this is not the time to be confusing the masses when we have such an important election ahead of us. You know what I mean? I would appreciate those individuals who have those opinions to give the other side of the coin, to, to actually present a full argument, not just, you know, well, I don't, you know, because you didn't vote not a day, not a nan day in your life. And you want to sit here and dissuade people from actually voting. Like it's, it's nonsense to me. It's not, and it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. And so please guys, the Instagram, TikTok people who, you know, are making videos in your car about not voting and we don't need to vote because they don't care about us and all this other stuff. I sympathize with you to an extent, but also there needs to be more education on your part as well, too. It's not just about putting in Joe Biden. It, there's so many different layers to this. And I think if you were to take the time to educate yourself as to what those other layers are, you would understand that, you know what, we're going to I mean, we might have to bite the bullet and get out and vote for now and then try to make these changes later on so either way that's my long ass rant on the womp womp of the week we are now on to the meat of the show Right, everyone, I'm here with my very special guest, Marjorie Vale, the newly minted Mrs. New York American. Marjorie, say hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so, Marjorie, you're, you're no stranger to my platforms. However, you are new to the According to RP stage. Yes, I am. <laughs> I've been following, but I've never been on RP. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you listening, uh, Marjorie has been a guest on Frida's World. Yes. Um, and I think that might have been sometime last year, I think. I don't know. The years and the days ex- escape me. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. It was Sometime last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was an amazing show. But today, Marjorie is on to speak in her new capacity, right? As Mrs. New York American. So, Marjorie, first, tell the people a little bit about who you are, where you are from, and then we can get into this new title. Yes, Definitely. My name is Marjorie Vale. I'm Mrs. New York American 2020, and I am a Brooklyn girl, born and raised in Brooklyn, and uh, specifically Flatbush. And <laughs> I'm by by career, I'm a literacy coach. I help teachers with their craft, um, help them to grow in how they teach students, and sometimes we help each other grow. Right. I also am a licensed statistician esthetician um when i started pageantry i decided that i wanted to, to learn about makeup and then it kind of snowballed into aesthetics and um that's that's pretty much me <laughs> <laughs> wife mother daughter cousin auntie and all of that but biggest and grandest of of it all i would say is i am a big advocate for stillbirth awareness Okay. And I know we talked a little bit about that on the Frida's World platform when you were there. So um, tell us a little bit about um, that platform. And I know that we're in the month of October where it is an awareness month for, I believe it's pregnancy slash infant loss awareness month. If you could just talk to us about that and why that was your platform really for uh, the Mrs. New York American. (laughs) (laughs) So... October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. And for me, I mean, it's something, of course, uh, nationwide. For me, how I got involved in it is because 16 years ago, um, my husband and I lost our firstborn son. He was born born still. Um, We went in to give birth and came out with no child. And so it was a very, very rough time. And during a time where there was really no support, um, nothing to, you know, help us get through. And of course, through prayer with each other, help from each other and family and friends, we were able to just really um, rise up underneath the darkness because it was a very dark, dark time. And so I feel like um, pregnancy and infant loss has kind of gained, is gaining a little bit more of awareness. And um, so I think, you know, we started out October 15th was just like preg- pregnancy and infant loss awareness day. And now we're we've gotten a full month. Um, so we're excited about that. But, you know, it's taboo to talk about um, death, you know, dead babies, you know, um, in, in essence. So my platform, I chose that to be my platform finally because I didn't at first because I was afraid that people would just have a hard time with the. Um, with that type of conversation we have with the subject. So um, finally, one year I said, you know what? And it's time. <laughs> People need to be comfortable being uncomfortable with the subject. And I think what better way than to, you know, have use a crown is to talk about um, subjects that are important, hard to deal with, um, and so I decided that, yes, I was going to use the crown when I win to, uh, and even before I win, to, you know, to talk about and bring awareness um, on stillbirth. And I think it's really important because, you know, in my family, I've, you know, had relatives who experienced stillbirth. And, you know, when you talk, when you talk about it amongst circles, it's actually a little more common then, you know, I guess the world would let on. Yes. Um, but like you said, it is taboo. People don't want to talk about death, period. And now we're talking about babies. Yes. Um, but I wanted to kind of ask, um, what are some of the reactions that you've gotten from people when you do talk about, you know, stillbirth? Because I know... In some cultures, you know, they might they they don't acknowledge that you know like this this the, the baby you know it died and then that's it like and so if somebody were to ask how many kids do you have it's like well you know right what do you say right, right? so um, I guess what has your reaction been to people um, or uh, from people with respect to this topic? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you and I are both Haitian, mm-hmm. so that's not a non-existent 
we, we don't talk about stuff like that. It's just like, ah, yeah, you know, it happened. Um, I think to this day, my mom, I don't think she, she deliberately doesn't want to talk about it, but uh, it just doesn't enter her mind. Mm-hmm. And so in that respect, you know, Haitians are just kind of like, it happened. Why do you need to talk about it? Why do you need to bring it up? I find that other people would say, I'm so sorry to hear that, which mm-hmm. is which is fine. And then there are some people who just kind of, really? Oh, that's sad. And there are people who actually want to know more. What happened? Oh, um, were you full term? Like, they have lots and lots of questions. Mm-hmm. But those people are in the minority. <laughs> so you rarely have people who really are interested and want to know the full story. And I think it has to do more with them um, being afraid of saying the wrong thing, mm-hmm. being afraid of triggering you. And so I find that the majority of people have a hard time um, going beyond the niceties. You know, just being saying, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. So now I want to ask about, I guess, um, the road to delivery, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have a 13-year-old. And so I kind of vaguely remember maybe what the road to delivery was right. in terms of classes and just information and guidance. Um, I don't remember ever receiving any type of guidance in the event that something like stillbirth, you know, were to occur. Right. Right. Um, Now, is that something that you find is still lacking within this maternal labor and delivery world? Has there been any strides? Most definitely it's lacking. I think because it's they you know, it's in the health world it's considered very rare. But when you think about it, the statistics are um, 26,000 babies die a year. So those are 26,000 families who go home with empty arms. And so it, is, it isn't, you know, spoken about enough. Mm-hmm. And that's something, you know, I'm partnering up with um, Star Legacy Foundation. And that's something that we're trying to change, actually, is to um, make sure that we're hospitals and doctors are having those types of conversations with families um, and saying, you know, it's a 1% chance, but it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that you need to be looking for um, while you're pregnant to, you know, as an alarm so that, you know, we, you know, us as doctors, we can come in and help. And so Star Legacy Foundation, we're trying so hard to partner with hospitals and doctors to really get in there. And, and you know, whether it's um, we've made pamphlets pamphlets as well as we have summits in june where we have leading doctors in those areas coming in and having those types of conversations on what we could be doing to reduce you know the likelihood of a stillbirth so in other words no <laughs> i see so yeah doctors are still reluctant to have those types of conversation and sadly what's even worse is that Minority families, minority women are the ones who are three times as much to have a stillborn child. Mm. And so it's an epidemic. So not only are we three times more likely to have a stillbirth, we're also dying in labor, which is another health epidemic that we're not talking about enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, you know, of a couple of times, again, I think it might have been a year, a year ago, actually, one of my friends ended up, you know, um, going through a stillbirth experience, but they have a healthy, you know, baby now. And I'm thinking about just this idea of this, you know, education, you know, just like you have Lamaze, just like you have, you know, lactation, all this other stuff. But then I also see with, or some individuals will find that that type of training might bring or guidance might bring stress throughout the pregnancy. Right. right. Cause there are the people like, I, me- I remember I had a friend, unfortunately she had an experience with another friend. And so we had a mutual friend that was pregnant and right. she just started talking about that incident. And the pregnant friend is just like, are you crazy? <laughs> like I'm pregnant. I don't right. want to think about this. I don't now I'm stressed. And, and so it is a very difficult and delicate topic to yes. approach, but you know, it's happening. And like you said, 26,000 is is a very significant a number to me at yes. least, right? Yes. And so definitely. it definitely deserves some sort of attention. You know, I don't know what creative way, you know, they right. can figure it out, but I think it is necessary. 
I mean, I think what people need to think of is like everything has risks, mm-hmm. right? Even being pregnant is a risk. It's a huge risk. Uh, and so if we think about it in that vein, then, you know, hearing about an aspect of pregnancy should you know, should be viewed in the same way. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it has to do with death that we may not. But as a mother, you're at risk of dying, giving birth. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a reality. Um, and it's hard because it's personal, but we can't be so sensitive as to not be aware, like, you know, what we need to be looking for. Like, if you get on a plane, shame on you if you're not listening when they're saying these are the exit, these are the exit, this is how you should put on your mask, you know, mm-hmm. your mask. Right. That is true. <laughs> it's necessary. <laughs> it's it's it, you have you should know. Right. Does it mean the plane is going down? No, you just need to know. And so that's how I, I view it. When you're pregnant, you should know all pretty much all the aspects and all the things that, you know, are possibilities. And so that you're aware, you know, so when some something is a little off, mm-hmm. you know, our intuitive nature as women kick as soon as we're pregnant. We know we're like, wait. Something's wrong, you yeah. know, that you're aware and you're ready to call your doctor and be like, listen, something's something's up, you know, and if it's nothing, it's nothing. But better safe than sorry. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So we know that there's no guidance, you know, in the hospitals or in the birthing centers when it comes to this, at least for the most part, there's not. Right. So the question that I want to ask um, is then for women who have experienced, right, mm-hmm. um, you know, this, this, this loss, are there support groups available for something like this? Yes, definitely. I tell you this much. There, when my husband, Roman, and I lost our son, you know, we had a social worker who came to see us pretty much every day for the five days that I was there. And... um Sadly, the woman just like, she didn't know what to do with us. She really did not know what to do with us. She came in every day and she, you know, as the Jews say, she sat shiva with us. And, you know, but just, you know, could barely find a group, you know, and, and you know, something that we can we can go to. And I, I'm happy to say now that that's a different story there are plenty of organizations that have support group. But I know for me and working with Star Legacy Foundations uh, Foundation, we have support groups for everyone, grandparents, mm-hmm. parents, you know, anyone. Because it's, it's a family. It's a whole community. You can't say, well, the mother's the most, most affected because she was the one that was pregnant. Mm-hmm. But dad's affected, too. And if dad is affected, mom is affected, then their parents are affected because where they're children. And so they have support groups for everyone. I know another friend, um, uh, Shawnee Benson Gibson, who does support groups as well, um, helping families um, to you know be able to talk and get the support that they need. So I find that this, in this um, generation or this decade, there are more support than when we started out, when there were really none, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's this plenty out there. And there's probably more that I don't know about, but those are the two that stand out in my head. Okay. Now, how important would you say seeking, you know, whether it be therapy or some uh, sort of support, um, how important would you, would you say that is to a family, to a couple, to the, you know, to the, to the woman um, you know, who, who experienced that loss because, you know, there are individuals who go through this and they're kind of just, you know, shelter in, right. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't seek therapy. They don't seek assistance from anyone. They're just trying to process it themselves because it's like, what is this, right? Talking about it might be triggering and, and that, but I think with everything, with any type of loss, any type of trauma, you know, not addressing it, not working through it can sometimes be detrimental to oneself. So how would you how important would you say it is to, you know, seek that help? And is there a particular stage that it's more important than, you know, like, is it the beginning? Is it the middle? Right. Any stage. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean. I feel like getting support is very, very important, Uh but it's up to an individual what kind of support that they want and what kind of support that they need. And everyone handles things differently. Like 
my husband and I, we didn't go to a support group. You know, we just had each other and we talked a lot, you know, and we prayed a lot and we just kind of found external things that made us happy and gave us joy. And we did, um, we traveled and we did, you know, things here, you know, apple picking. We had no child. We had apple picking mm-hmm. and going out to dinner. So those were therapeutic for us. If we had a chance to get the kind of support group that is available today, we, I'm sure we, we would have done it, but there was, there was none. And not all therapists I think can understand or is qualified to really um, help someone with a stillbirth. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's just everyone has their their um, avenues and things that they're stronger in. And so I think it's very, very specific. Um, and then you and how you the therapy for a mom is different for a therapy for a dad mm-hmm. is different is different from therapy together, you know. So I I'm a firm believer that everyone should go to therapy but I'm not, I'm a firm believer that everyone knows when they're ready. I see. And I think that's important to, to even draw out because, you know, people have opinions on other people's lives. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's very common that you would hear somebody say, you need to go to therapy for this. You can't <laughs> deal with this on your own. Like, what right. are you doing? Are you not, you know, why aren't you taking your life, you know, seriously? back? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Uh, but I think it is important that, you know, people understand or know that, you know, therapy is something like you said, when you will know when it's time, you will know what your breaking point is or what that point is to go. So, yeah, um, I find that a lot of a lot of women, individuals who are who, who experience, you know, such losses like that's that's like a struggle for them. You know, yeah. They might not want to seek therapy or help because they kind of want to still sit in you know, the, the, the trauma or the loss. So, well, I, and, and I, I think what's more important is if someone doesn't want to go to therapy, that they just have a good support system, mm-hmm. you know, friends that they, who can understand and who are just like, you know, cause some friends, they, you know, your friends that you can call every day and say the same thing mm-hmm. too. And they won't, they won't care. It's like, just keep talking, you know, whatever. Those are very hard to find. And so I remember when my cousin, you know, I had, you know, we had lost our son, I think maybe two years prior. And I remember when she lost her, her child, you know, she, she would call me and she would call me to say that, and she would just say the same thing, like same feelings, the same hurt. And she would apologize. And I said, but why are you apologizing? That's how you feel. That's where you're at. Mm -hmm. That's what you want to say, you know? And I and I know that that was such a relief for her because it was just kind of like not everyone can hear that or not everyone can handle it, has the capacity to take that on. And so I think those types of things are those dis- different types of friend. OK, you have the f- friend who's listening and the friend who's like, girl, you need to go out. Let's go out to eat, you know, or let's go to the spa, mm-hmm. you know. So just having those different types of friends that surround you to help you get through even with therapy, because you, you need it's something true. outside of therapy, you know. So therapy is one thing. And then just getting back to your normal self, trying to get back to your normal self is important. Because you think about it. You've had a child. I've had a child. Mm-hmm. We both know it takes about a year to really feel back, like mentally, yeah. physically back to normal. At so least. you can imagine, <laughs> at least, right? So you can imagine if you... Imagine going through the process of having given birth without giving birth, right? Mm -hmm. So technically your body is thinking it's had a child, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're going through the process of healing with no child. So it's even more traumatic because the traumas of having a baby and then the trauma of not not really having a baby, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's intense. It's really intense. And sadly, I just saw, I don't know if you heard that Chrissy Te- um, Teigen and John um, John Legend. Legend, they just lost their mm-hmm. child. And, you know, one thing that she she wrote on Twitter, and I, I love that she's very vocal about it. Um, she said, going home from the hospital without a baby is like unreal. And it is. It is unreal because you're mentally and physically, your, bo- your body has said you had a child. But your arms are empty. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can see how that can be very traumatic. I mean, you're going through eight months, nine months, mm-hmm. um, you know, bonding, right? Mm-hmm. And then expecting to have this this baby, this bundle of joy on the other side. And then it's it's almost like you went through that entire eight, nine month period, you know, if some would say for nothing, right? right. Or... Or, I mean, it could play with your psyche. It's like mm-hmm. an illusion. Like, did I, was I really, pre- I mean, yeah. unless you have pictures or whatever, it can almost feel like it didn't happen, A. B, you also go through the guilt process. What did I do? Yeah. What could I have done? You know, mm-hmm. and that's just on a regular, you know, as a mother, or as a whatever, daily life. But when you have such a loss, you always feel like, gosh, I, I should have just, I, yeah. I should have done this or I, you know, maybe I didn't do this or maybe I didn't eat right. So it's physically, mentally, you know, emotionally, just all in one. <laughs> and you, you, how do people survive that? Yeah. Especially when you have, unfortunately, the family and the friends who are, you should not have been traveling right. so much. You shouldn't have, you know, we told you to slow Make down from work. Yeah, you <laughs> know, and I've, I've seen that, you yeah. know, even within my own family where it's just like, Told you to slow down a bit and you right. didn't, you know, it's, and it doesn't help anyone. <laughs> Not at all. Because yeah. you're doing it enough to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're doing enough to yourself. And so it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard enough. And so, you know, for me, I know what I had to do was I had to um, like remove myself from my friends for a little bit. And, you know, it was before text messaging and mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of that. <laughs> I wrote all of my friends' letters Aww. saying, I just can't be around you right now. And a lot of my friends, and this is what was harder for me. I had four friends and a coworker who were all, we were all pregnant at the same mm-hmm. time. And I was the one who was going to deliver first, no baby, and everyone else had their baby. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I, and on top of that, my best friend who, she and I were pregnant at the same time, I, you know, my, we lost our son in September, actually. Last Sunday would have been his 16th birthday. And my girlfriend uh, was pregnant. She gave birth in November. And I had to mentally prepare myself and say, I know she's going to need me. I just know it. Mm. She she didn't have to say it. I just know. Sure enough, I'm at work. And her husband calls and he says, she needs you. She says she doesn't want anybody there but you. And she was like having... um. Uh, hypertension, you know, mm-hmm. I forget what the, Is it preeclampsia? Yeah, she was had gone through that and she was scared and she was like, and so I had to, I went to the hospital and I'm helping my best friend give birth to her baby. And so it was after that that I was just like, it's too much. Mm-hmm. It was just too much. It was just like beating myself up with a, <laughs> a hammer and, and I was just like, okay, I did my duty. Now I need to go away. And I did. And I did, and it really, really helped me. It really, I, and I'm not suggesting that people do that, but I think we just have to stop and think what would be best for me right now, right? Yeah, because life is for the living. Mm-hmm. What's going to help me want to live, you know? And so, and, and and do that, you know, not negative things, but positive things, you know, to help you start getting back to your to mm-hmm. yourself. Okay. And I can't even say normal self because you never go back to normal. So I want to ask you, you know, what are two things you would want, you know, the individuals who are on, on the other side of the loss, right, to know when interacting with somebody who's experienced yeah. such loss? Like what, what are two things that it's like, listen, you know, like don't ask this, don't say this, <laughs> don't do that. Right. Well, I think being there, of course, one thing you should never say is if they've ha- already had children, at least you've had those children. Mm. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or if they didn't have children, people would, I mean, I didn't have a child. He was my first. He was our first child. People would say, well, at least you can have another. No, there's no at least. Yeah. You know, um, because that child counted. So you should never, ever, ever, ever say <laughs> that to, to a, parent, a parent of loss. Um, and I think people worry a lot about what they shouldn't say. I think that is the major one. Mm-hmm. Um, putting a limit on 
grief, you know, saying, you know, wow, that that's you still feeling that or that's still happening or like, you know, are you you're still sad or, you know, it's or it's been a year Mm -hmm. like like keeping track for you. Right. Like, I don't I don't need you to keep track, you know, and I think when it first happens, you just need someone you just need people to sit with you, Mm -hmm. you know, cry with you, hold your hands like a friend of ours recently just lost her son. Um, we went to sit and, you know, we went to visit and she saw me. Now, mind you, I lost a child as, as a baby. Her son was 18 mm. and she saw me and she grabbed me and she's like, how did you do it? How did you do it? How did you get through it? And I, you know, it's just telling us day by day, but literally sat there and let her cry and talk. And sometimes I cried with her and I just listened because what can you say? Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it is. That's, what that's not what you want to hear say, now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it totally is. But not right now, it doesn't seem like that. And it was so heartbreaking for me because when I was looking at her, I saw myself. Because it was the day of the, an- the anniversary mm-hmm. of our son's um, passing. And I saw me 16 years ago, you know, crying and, and talking and and. But I was really, I mean, I know my husband, you know, was too appreciative of every person who came to the hospital and just, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear, we didn't, there was not much talking, but just seeing their faces, seeing their, the sadness in their eyes, their, you know, the, the, the concern mm-hmm. was very comforting for me, but that's me. And everyone is different. Some people may not want to see people. Yeah. Send a card. Don't say much. <laughs> Sometimes people feel like they have to like no. say all these things and right. you know make no. all these comments and it's like I think I said this on Frida's World when we spoke the last time. I had a, a teacher friend that I used to uh, coach the track team with her. I was her co you know coach and um, I remember she sent me a, a card. I think it was on a, it was a post it or mm-hmm. something. And she says, "I have no words. I love you." And that's all she mm. said. And I was just like so touched by that. It wasn't, elo- it's not eloquent. It's not like, you know, scripture this, <laughs> although that would have been nice too. Yeah. But it was just kind of like, I'm here. And I, you know, I may not understand, but I love you. And that um, simplicity sometimes is always, it could, you know, is always best. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't say much and you just sit. And it's so funny that you say that because this morning I was reading, I was reading a scripture um, it was a devotion. It was saying that how Job, um, his friends came and they sat with him for seven days in silence. And that's after he lost everything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's all you need. Just people to just sit with you. Just around. Just around. Just around. It, it is really helpful. And I, and I know I remember and, and Roman remembers every person that wrote, that came, you know, um, and just... Sat like I love to say, sat shiver with us <laughs> <laughs> because that's what it is. You sit and you just, you just, you're, you are, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 that's what we did for our friend, and that's what um, we did for my cousin. We just went over there and just, just sat with her, sat with her, and just listened. There's nothing to say. Yeah, there is nothing to no, say. There's nothing to say, and so th- that's that's that would be my advice. Okay. And just and just find out what that person loves and just encourage them with that. And 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 just let them know if if it's someone who's just like pushing everyone away, let them know when you are ready, I am here. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Okay. So, it's been 16 years later mm-hmm. and I know that there's an amazing uh young man in the picture. Yes. <laughs> yes. So tell us about this amazing young man. Amelian London <laughs> Vale. Such a regal name. I know. Oh, I didn't even tell you the full name. I just left one part out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my husband's here too. But Amelian, uh, my son, <laughs> he is, uh, he was, f- he's 14 years old. He just turned 14 in July. And, um, 
I remember when we found out we were pregnant with him, I was just about to start math, my master's program. And we we're just kind of like, oh, okay, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> And so he's uh, he's destined for greatness because he sat through master's classes <laughs> at New York University. You want to come say hello yeah, to the people? Hey everybody, uh, my name's Emilian. So I get it, this whole talk show is kind of getting a little bit boring, so I'm just going to roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> so we're roll credits soon. So I just hope uh, everyone's having a good time, and this is me, Emilian. So that's all. All right. Thank, thank you, you. Emilian. <laughs> thank you. So, I mean, how how did you feel? Because you talked about, you know, finding out that you were, you know, have, you know, with child going through a master's program. But after experiencing, you know, that initial loss, like how were you feeling going through this um, second pregnancy? Uh, I, I, I like to say that I felt like, um, God covered me. Mm. I think that I started the master's program at the right time. Well, the plan. So what happened was I was, um, by the time that I was supposed to start the program was when I'm, I was going to deliver him. So I went to NYU and I said, you know, I'm supposed to start a program, but I'm going to be delivering around the time. I don't think that I can start then. And they said, okay, you can start, um, this semester, like this semester, which is like one whole semester before, I said okay, and they said yeah, you start today. I said, <laughs> oh, okay, um, okay, and so you know I was so busy. I felt like God had me so busy writing papers, and I had such such a great cohort of friends, um, who I'm still friends with right now, who are just like always looking out for me. You know, um, even at the school. You know, the teachers and the people are just oh, all looking out for me. And um, I mean, I was scheduled to be born and I went to school all through summer. He was born in July. And I remember um, he was supposed to be born uh, the week after by um, cesarean. And I was so nervous because, you know, it's scheduled. And mm-hmm. you're like, I was like, oh, my gosh, just thinking about it. I was like having heart palpitations. I was like, oh, <laughs> my gosh. And I felt like God came through for me because he came a week early and so suddenly, like wasn't expecting it. And it was really interesting. My husband, my cousin, Shella, and I went to my mother-in-law's to get um, the clothes for Alexei, which is our son's name, who just who's um, our okay. angel. We went to get his clothes for Emilian. And I remember we went out to uh, eat and I said, I think I'm going to go early. And they were like. Why? Something happened to my cousin's like, you feeling something? I was like, no, I don't. I just, I just, I don't know. I have a feeling he's going to be early. Sure enough, we paid the, <laughs> we paid for the, for the dinner or lunch. I get in the car. I was like, guys, I think I'm feeling contractions. They both look in the back like, are you serious? I was like, mm-hmm. So they were far apart. Then they started getting, so my cousin dropped me off. She was like, call me. Cause she was supposed, she was going to be Roman's road dog in this pregnancy thing. <laughs> so, and uh, she said, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I said, okay. Hour later, I, I called my doctor who happened to be a, a wonderful, wonderful Haitian woman. She was so good to me and so understanding for a Haitian woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she was like, Mrs. Bill, I'm not going on vacation until you have your baby. Like, she just was like, she never... Um, uh, was she never made me feel like why? Why are you afraid? Mm-hmm. Like what? She really understood. So I called her. I said, "Listen, I you know I'm feeling contractions in the four minutes." But she's like, "Go to the hospital. Go, 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 go." So I get there, and she says, "See, Mrs. Vale, I was washing my hair." I said, "No, Mrs. Vale needs me. I'm leaving." <laughs> so she gets there. And she's like, "You know, you are having contractions. They're not strong, but you know what? I'm Haitian. I'm superstitious too. I don't want to send you home. Something happens to you. I will never forgive myself. We're taking this baby out today." I was like, what? Next you know, being shaved. Mm-hmm. I'm being rolled into the OR. And there he was. And, uh-huh. and it was just like, I feel like God <laughs> covered me because it took away the, all the thinking, all the fear. It was mm-hmm. just kind of like, oh, you, you didn't have any time. And I remember we were asking her, should, should we call our parents? She was like, let's wait. When he's here, we call. And, he, and, and, and so I didn't, I was so busy that I, I didn't have time. But there were moments of just like, <gasps> am I going to, is he going to make it? Am I going to make it? You know, mm-hmm. there were there were some fears, but I think keeping myself busy, 
you know, really, really helped. And he, we got a scare actually after he was born because they went, to, it took him to weigh him and then they came back without him. And we were like, uh, where's our baby? Oh my gosh. And they were like, well, he kind of swallowed some water coming out. So he's going to be in the NICU. So we delivered him at 9 p.m. We didn't see him till one oh my gosh. the next day. Let me tell you something. They could have given me a different baby. I barely saw him. I didn't know what he looked like. Nothing. But uh, but it, it all worked out. <laughs> I'm looking at the resemblance. Yes. <laughs> My mini me. And um, But I think I was lucky in the sense where I was busy. But I can imagine other women, are. It, it's just hard for them. Because mm-hmm. you relive it all the time. And you pray that everything goes well. And, you know... There, there's a possibility of another stillbirth. I know that my husband, Roman's grandmother, had like four or five. Yeah, yeah. Either she's had she had two stillbirths and two who were born and then died a few hours later. So you know, and her last child, his mom was his mom, and so you know the fear is there. But I, I think you know you keep yourself busy and you stay positive, and you, you, you'll get through it. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy. It's always, always hanging over your head, I believe. But stay positive. You got to get through it. (laughs) Stay busy. (laughs) So this is the platform that you are pushing with, you know, the, I'm going to, I like to say it because now I know how to say it properly. Mrs. New York American. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Because I was botching it up like a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) They're like, (laughs) let me help you out. (laughs) Well, excuse me, Mrs. New York, um, uh, Mrs. New York American is the title for the organization mm-hmm. Mrs. New York America. So there's a new, there is a Mrs. New York America, right? Mm-hmm. Which is Yasmin, and then there's me, Mrs. New York American. So my title is a new division. Okay, it wasn't always there, so it's a new division this year. And so you're so, the first. You're yeah, like I'm one. The first. Of, yeah, I'm yeah. like, how amazing is that? First Haitian, first black. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's so exciting and such a great opportunity. And the Mrs. America organization is really, really great. And I love how they incorporate um, platform. Mm-hmm. So you can't just be a pretty face. You know, you got to be articulate. Got to be smart, guys. There's there's this idea about pageantry. And (laughs) I I remember we talked about that the last time. And I think at the time we were talking about, oh, are you going to get involved in some pageants? We're like, yeah, we're working on some things. (laughs) And here you go. Yeah, there you go. Yes, it's serious. And it's a job. It's like, it's not, you know, and it is what you make of it. Mm Because, you know, for some people it is, like I said, a notch on their belts. They have the crown and they don't do anything with it. But... It's such a great platform to build your platform. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so how amazing it is to have this sparkly crown and to even push your your platform even more. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity. I have a great director, Diane Hargrove, and she's amazing. And she is so positive. You know those people who are just kind of like so positive. Mm-hmm. You're like, where do you get that energy to be so positive all the time? Just give me a little of it. I know. <laughs> She's like, you're awesome. You're great. Oh, my gosh, I love this. Oh, my gosh, I love that. And I have some great sister queens. Yasmin, like I said, um, and there's Gabby. And so it's the first time in the system where it's three, three women. Mm. So it's two married women and uh, a miss. And okay. so we're all going to be competing in Las Vegas. Oh wow! When? Yes, in January. Okay. Um, and you know we're contracted to, mm-hmm. and so and um and then in May, God willing, May we crown the new um the new misses and a new miss. All right. Yeah. And so after that takes place, what's going to be next? Are we going to be doing more pageants? Are we? I don't know. I love I love pageantry. I, I don't think I'll stop for a while, but um, you're still a spring chicken. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or not really. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I, I haven't I haven't thought that far ahead i think right now um you know just really focused on mm-hmm. nationals and getting my body ready getting my mind ready because you know it's it's judges five judges 50 women so out of 50 women the judges have to pick one winner god bless them i don't want that job. <laughs> and you work i know you're a, you're a full professional yes. you're a wife you know yes. you have you have a child all so of that there's a lot <laughs> going on here <laughs> yes so I, and and that's the thing and i think that's what it is 
that's why we have Mrs. Pageants to, you know, show the world that, you know, it's not just a Miss thing. You know, you can be married and have, mm-hmm. you know, um, a family and still fight for a cause, you know. And the one thing that I would like to plug in is that um, I have a friend, Marnie Smith, who sadly lost her son last year. His name is Heath, was Heath. Um, and she she and I have been talking and working and she has gotten in contact with a um, a group called the Ariadne Labs. Um, and they are a pilot program for stillbirth prevention um, based on an eight NHS protocols from, um, I believe, Scotland. And through their um, study, they were able to, through some various things that they did, they were able to reduce um, stillbirth by 15% over oh, wow. there. And it's something that we're not doing here, but we're trying to get this pilot program to happen here to see maybe can, we can reduce you know, the rate here as well. So she has um, a fundraiser happening right now. She's she's raised quite a lot of money, but we haven't reached our goal. So in order to get the platform, the pilot program happening, I think we have to raise raise five hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. But this this woman is she's amazing. She's amazing, and you know, you know, she's getting asking people to have their companies match it and mm-hmm. all of that. And so um, she's on Instagram at Marnie Smith, M-A-R-N-Y-S-M-I-T-H, Marnie Smith. And she's a link in there. So if anyone wants to support, they can go there and do that um, because we really, really would love to be able to do the pilot. And in turn, what I love about Marnie's heart and, and the Star Legacy Foundation is the fact that they're really, really wanting to focus on women of color mm. and making sure that, um, you know, the highest hit, you know, demographics is getting the help that they need, yeah. you know. Because um, that doesn't always take place. You know, we, when nothing. we hear about studies and trials and things like that, they're not really going to the women in, in our communities, no. right? So no. I, I think it's a worthy cause. So yep. definitely... Um, those of you who are listening, you know, we're, we're now rolling into the awareness month where everybody's right. going to be donating, you know, Q4. Everybody wants to get that <laughs> donation in so they can claim it on their taxes. Right, right. <laughs> whatever know, helps. Whatever their motivation is, right. you know, let's do what we need to Please do. Please help. And we're, we're going to be doing a walk um, October 18th, I believe. And if anyone wants to do that or donate with that, that they can go to starlegacyfoundation.org. Um, calm. is that a walk walk or a virtual walk because I, I can never it, tell anymore <laughs> I never know what's happening um, no you're, you're oh, I'm sorry Star Legacy, um, starlegacyfoundation.org mm-hmm. I don't know where I got dot com but it is a virtual walk okay. it's a virtual walk <laughs> <laughs> and so if anyone wants to do that as well they can go on there and and, and donate um, it's uh yes I believe October 18th I'm, I'm walking but I've for some reason in my head I can't remember. But um so yeah, we just we just need we just need support. Mm-hmm. We just need people to even if you can't talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, donate. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to talk about it. Just donate. So now how do we get in contact with you, Miss New York American? <laughs> <laughs> good job, good job. Uh well, I'm on well, I don't do um as the Haitians like the snap, 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 chop, 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 I am definitely on Instagram. Uh, I have two handles. My uh, first one is my full name, Marjorie Vale, and then the second one is Mrs. New York NY. Right, that's how it's a Mrs. NY American, and I'm also on Facebook as Marjorie Unglad Vale, ah. so I can be found there. And um, you know, if anyone would like to contact me in terms of like being able to speak about this um i'm totally available i am thankful for all my friends i have a friend um cindy who messaged me today she was like we had to get you more out there i have an event for you (laughs) and she's like already got my you know my calendar all Mm -hmm. planned up for october so um and i and i love public speaking it's like my my niche i feel like and um well you're good at it uh, i try i try i'm trying actually and getting better i i'm I'm in toastmasters oh 
And I encourage women. To, uh, I'm part of Lace Toastmasters, okay. it, and they meet in Brooklyn when we were meeting in um, Brooklyn. It's on Hanson Place. Okay. And it's it's you pay a one time fee for a year, and they you get support in doing your speeches. Hmm. And so I'm um, I'm about and actually I'm the VP of Education. Okay, look for at you to, for getting titles all over the place. That's right. <laughs> I just, you know, I just got thrown in there. But, you know, sometimes you just got to be thrown in there. Mm-hmm. And so you give weekly speeches and you get feedback. That's good. It's really good. And so I've been working on that as well. You know, just sharpening myself, getting better every day. Every That's day. what I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marjorie Vale, Mrs. New York American. Yes. <laughs> You said that so beautifully. I mean, it's rolling off the tongue now. Yes, yes, yes. I see, I see. I'm impressed. I don't know why it is that I'm, I always just say miss. I think it's because they always say, if you don't know, you settle for miss. Oh, okay. Like and miss, so, like miss. Yeah, miss, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I'm always, you know, m- missing. That's just my thing. You know what it is also? People are always shocked that there are pageants for married women. Yeah. I so didn't know like, that until I met you. They're, 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 there are pageants for married women. There are pageants for women who have been married and not married anymore. There are pageants for senior citizens. There are all types of pageants. They have old yeah. lady pageants. Yes. How come they don't broadcast these things? I've never seen you them. You just got to search for it. So for me, when I, I got married at 25, which was pretty young, um, and, you know, I I missed the opportunity to be a miss. Mm-hmm. But, it, like, pageantry was always on my heart. And so I you know, was determined to find something. And I did. And so that's when I started to compete. So, yeah, people are like, you're you're married? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I remember your first title. This was years Uh ago, though. I mean, how many years ago was that? It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. Um, So, yeah, you're just racking them up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying. All right, then. Well, uh, Marjorie, this has been really amazing. I'm, I'm happy that I was able to get you on this platform, Yay! you know, and not, not, you know, kind of diversify the portfolio <laughs> a little bit here. But, you know, I, I always, you know, love having you on the show. And, um, you know, I, I am a firm believer in, again, giving people the platform to be able to talk about their platforms, right. especially something like this, which I feel like if not everyone has, ex, you know, knows somebody who's experienced right. this yes. and the fact that it's not talked about enough, there's not enough research happening. Women of color are being left to the wayside. Yes. Um, I think it's really important to have individuals like yourself say, hey, wait a minute, like we have some things to talk about. Right. And let me tell you my story and let's figure out how to, pre- you know, prevent this from happening yes. or if not prevent, you know, support, figure out how to, you know, provide support to individuals who are experiencing this. So I totally commend you for doing that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's why we're on this earth to really lend a hand, you yeah. know, and I, I'm, I'm a firm believe serve 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 so but thank you for having me i'm so glad that i'm on a different platform this time (laughs) yes yes and touching all platforms listen listen (laughs) listen and and if and if if you guys are out here and you have your own platforms definitely reach out and get marjorie on your platform so she can talk about this more there needs to be more awareness and thank you emilian for being uh our guests our our, our making a brief little appearance (laughs) special special guest (laughs) no problem thank you Serving me, and this is kind of an honor. So thank you. Aww, I love that. An honor. I I feel so special. special. (laughs) And my personal photographer, yes, husband extraordinaire, is here. My husband of eighteen years. We just celebrated our eighteenth anniversary. Happy anniversary! Congratulations. And uh, photo photographer extraordinaire. Where can we find this photographer extraordinaire? Well, he's on IG as Roman Vale Official. Okay. Okay. And I've I've seen his work. He yes. is official. <laughs> he is official. <laughs> well, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of According to RP on WJMS Radio. It's your girl Rita Pierre, your host, and as always, I will talk to you guys next week. You were listening to According to RP on WJMS Radio. About time you tuned in. Tune in each and every Sunday. I can't wait to come back.